welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. always easy to please my son just uh, always seemed to be like brother Tyler you know they had to kind of uh, match get the shoes right and the jeans right and you know back then they'd take their collar and flip it up pop it you know I can remember when I was a kid we was doing things like that and go to special things we had what was called the leisure suit you men remember the leisure suit you know where you had the suit and then the shirt, actually the collar was big enough where you, it was on the outside of your lapel. Yeah, those are the days. Praise God. But we are starting our fall and kids are going back to school before you realize that it's going to be Thanksgiving and then it's going to be Christmas. And off we'll go into 2023. Time flies when you're having fun. He didn't laugh at that. So you must not be having fun. But in 1 Samuel 17, this is a familiar portion of Scripture, so I'm going to let you sit down. We're going to do verses 1 through 11. You're fine over there. Thank you very much. Verses 1 through 11. I don't want you to stand for this. Just kind of, y'all just sit down and read with me here. Now the Philistines gathered together, verse 1, their armies to battle, and were gathered together in Shokal, which belongeth to Judah, pitched between Shokal and Eska, Ephesdemon, and Saul, verse 2, and the men in Israel were gathered together, pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, verse 5, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had, he had, he had, he had greaves of, of brass upon his legs and the target of the brass between his shoulder. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said to them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am, am not I a Philistine and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And verse 11 says, when Saul had, and, and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, this is a story that we tell our kids in Sunday school. It's probably one of the most prominent stories as a kid that we will learn all the way up through our Sunday school uh, uh, classes. And uh, we always like the story of David and Goliath. We don't go too much into detail. We just kind of tell the story, and that's what gets everybody's attention. But tonight I want to kind of compare some things, if you will, uh, in this study. Don't know that I'll get totally finished, but we'll, we'll do our best. 
So it was here in this valley of, uh, 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 between these two mountains that Goliath uh, offered a challenge uh, to the children of Israel. And uh, he was basically saying, look, we don't need all this bloodshed today. Just give me a man, and then we'll fight, and we'll decide. It'll be determined between our fight who's going to serve who. And uh, just give me somebody. So they were both standing there, and, and as you read the story, Saul and all of Israel were struck with fear. Turn to your neighbor and say, fear. How many understands that fear can be a, a gripping thing that can kind of hinder your life? Now understand, Saul was fearful. The children of Israel were fearful. But, but notice, Saul had previously fought the Ammonites, the Philistines, and the Amalekites and were victorious. All right? But now he was fearful. So ask yourself the question, why was Saul fearful with this challenge when he had defeated the Philistines and the Amalekites and the Ammonites before? Why is he so fearful? Well, if you read the story, you'll you'll find out real quick, he was fearful because the Spirit of God had left him. Now, honestly, you and I need to realize tonight that the Spirit of God should be the number one thing in your life. And if if, if the Spirit of God departs, then we too are going to be fearful. And we know that in this day and time that we live, Lord help us, we don't need need to uh, to find ourselves walking away from God. We need to be walking to God. You look at the story here and you see Abner. Abner, we've heard of him before in, 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 in text. And uh, he was a great warrior. He was a general. But for some reason, he was nowhere to be seen here as well. Jonathan. We read the story of Jonathan, the son of Saul. He was present who had not only, when you read his story, smitten the garrison of Philistines, with a, but with another man had attacked another garrison and routed the whole army of the Philistines. And yet, in this text, it doesn't show him stepping out in the forefront against a single man. So this valley was a valley in more ways than one. How many can say tonight that you have been in a valley one time or another in your life? A valley. Different kinds of valleys, but... There are valley. A valley is a time in your life when things are not very fun. The joy has gone. The battle is on. The fear is there. You're struggling. Has anybody been in one of those kind of valleys? You pray and it doesn't seem like, it just seems like your words kind of bounce around. From the walls to the ceilings and back, you, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. It's when you're, it's when you're not shouting. It's when, you're, it's when we're not running the aisles, so to speak, or, or, or praying for everybody else. Now we're in our valley. Amen. You're a bit more introverted than usual. You don't step out because your problem has just taken uh, 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 everything else out of you and everything around you that 
you were concerned with, now your mind is consuming you to where now you're kind of withdrawn to yourself. Verse 16 and 17 of chapter 17 here, Bible says, the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. So, so look, folks, sometimes you're not in the valley one day. It might be several days. In fact, you might not be, you might be in the valley for maybe a month or two or maybe more. But you've got to stay true to the things of God. Why? Philistine drew every morning, evening. Now the enemy will come. And he'll come day in and day out, and he will challenge us. Now notice what the scripture says here in verse 17. And Jesse said to David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of, of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy brethren. So at the same time, this battle is, is set in array, and Jesse says, Hey, David, won't you take some stuff to your brothers? So for 40 long days this went on, morning and evening. Two, everybody say two times a day. That giant would come out and, and, and deride the children of Israel and defy God. But pastor, you don't understand what I'm facing is, is pretty big. What I'm facing looks like insurmountable odds. What I'm facing, I don't know that I can overcome. Have you ever been there before? What I'm facing, nobody else understands. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm facing. Amen. So every day, two times a day, he came out and he'd done this. Some feel it was because they knew the Israelites prayed as those two times to further mock him. Amen. It was the valley. They could, they could simply not walk around. It was the valley. They, they had to face the valley. If they were going to go to battle, they had to go to the valley. Everybody say the valley. Amen. The valley. Obviously, this problem had to be dealt with. You can't, you can't get around things, folks. When you have a problem, you've got to deal with it. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, deal with it. Amen. It's not going to go away if you try to ignore it. Or if you try, if you try, it's not going to disappear if, if you just kind of turn your head. You know, it's like the little kids. It's like that one sitting right back there. It's like, it's like when you try to get her attention and, and she knows it and, and, and she just, you, you're right there and all of a sudden she'll just go like this and go another direction. You can't, you can't solve an issue or a problem when you are just ignoring it. Amen. Israel may have been, they were on a mountain, folks. But the challenge was coming from the valley. When you look at mountains, mountains speak of high times, happy times. They've seen that before, but when they stared right into, the, right into that, that, that unavoidable valley that was right in front of them, knowing that it was something that was not going to go away, they couldn't run from it. Yes, they hid, but they couldn't run from it. Amen. They were there on the mountain. It was very nice to be on the mountain. They had a tactical advantage, so to speak, on the mountain. There they was, but they could not. Stay on the mountain because the battle was going to be in the valley. You're going to fight your battles not on the mountaintops. You're going to fight your battles in the valley. Amen. But don't ever think that God, the God of the mountaintop, don't ever think he's not the God also of the valley. 
Because not, not whatever you face as a child of God, amen, that's why it's so important that our relationship with God is paramount. It's so important because we must stay connected to God. Saul didn't have that confidence anymore. Abner, wherever he was at, and the other guys were all hiding behind rocks. For some reason, they had gotten to a place where their faith was gone, and they just felt like they were, you know, they basically they were fighting in their own skin, so to speak. I don't know how you felt before in your life, but have you ever been to those battles before and you wondered, where is God at? He's there. See, David was summoned to leave his sheep and bring provisions to his older three brothers who were there fighting that battle. Jesse wanted to know, how's the battle going? How are they faring? Are they still alive? I don't know if you've ever studied wars like that back in in that day and time. Your life expectancy wasn't very high. You would go into battle... Uh, many things could happen, and then if you, got, if you got a wound of some kind, many times you would die just because of the infections. So Jesse wanted to know, hey, if they're there, see how they're doing, and also I want to know if, if something's happened to, some, to one of them or two, or maybe all of them. You see, some even feel the following verse. The verse refers to a pledge of, uh, of bills of divorce to be given to their wives in case the men died in battle. Verse 18 here, let me, see, let me read it. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how the brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now, that, that, now some people feel like that, that's like, okay, if they get killed in battle, this is for their wives to know. Why was that? Because you read on in verse 20 and 23, wives could marry after three years should their, should their husbands, husbands be even taken captive. Notice what it says. And David rose up, verse 20 to 23 in First Samuel, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went, and, and as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Notice, Saul's afraid. Jonathan's not going out there. Abner's nowhere to be found. The men of Israel, the, the, the men of valor, they're all just kind of sitting behind and not really accepting the challenge. But David comes along and all of a sudden he hears the challenge from, from Goliath. And the events transpired which allowed David to arrive just in time as the enemy came out. And notice in verse 25 what it says. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up Surely to defy Israel, he came up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him and with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. I've talked about this before. We talked about the taxes. We kind of laughed about it. Amen? But David heard this, and something hit him. Amen? He heard the mockings. Listen, folks, we're living in the last days. 
And the enemy is just laughing in our face. He is taunting the church. He is mocking the church. Amen. Through all the different sorts of, uh, of, 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 of things people are saying and doing uh, and, uh, uh, towards the Christians and, and other people. But that's what he's doing. He's, he's mocking the church. So you and I, we're either going to stand back and we're just going to let it happen. Or we're going to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this enemy of the Lord? See, there's a challenge that's going forth, and we are either going to accept it or reject it. We're either going to say, yes, I'm in for this battle, or we're going to say, "Mm, I don't know that I'm where I need to be. See, because when the enemy challenges the church, just like David There needs to be a stir, a stirring inside of us. There needs to be something that that all of a sudden we put our shoulders back and something rises up within us and we say, you know what, this is not the will of God. Amen. God is still God. He's still sitting on the throne. We are His children. We have His spirit. We have dominion and authority over the enemy. But you can't do that Setting back behind rocks somewhere, hiding, amen, and, 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 and so the enemy can't see you. Yeah, we got all the mountaintop filled, but who's going to go to, the bat, go to the valley and go to battle with the enemy? Something stirred in David. In fact, when you look at 1 Samuel 17, 26, David spake of the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach? Of Israel, for who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? We talked about that not too long ago, but David revealed two loaves, two loves in his heart in the statement. He said the Philistine was uncircumcised. In other words, he was a heathen. Look at your neighbor right now and say, Don't be a heathen. We talked to our kids that way, You little heathen! But here, the words heathen, it's talking about false religion. Knowing nothing about the true God. You see, only the nation of Israel at that time knew about the true God who demanded the covenant of circumcision since Abraham's time. And he, and, and, and he reproached Israel, God's people, Goliath. He defied the armies of the living God. In contrast to some false god made out of dead wood, Stone. Can you imagine? Let's just take a piece of wood, carve it. How, what would you think tonight if, if we had some kind of a wood or a stone or something that was sitting here on the altar and that's what you came and prayed to? That's what you came and bowed to. You would come up to that thinking that was going to do something for you. I don't know about you, but I found out a long time ago that it's not in some kind of an object like that that I'm going to get my help from. My help comes from the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. So he was a reproach to the people of God. Amen. But David loved God's people. And God loved his people. And he was there to defy the armies of God. He was there defying God. But David loved 
See, folks, you can't just, you can't just uh, uh, operate on a status quo relationship with God. You have to have a deep-seated determination inside of you that says, you know what? The will of God. I want the will of God in my life. I want the will of God in my life. I want that motivating me. Not, not all the other stuff that's in the world. I want God to motivate me. I want, I want the things of God in my life. Look, folks, if we don't cry out to God in this day and time, we're, we're going fa- to face some things in our life that I don't know that we can stand against. If we don't have the, the stirring of the Spirit of God in our life this day and time, I don't know how we're going to stand a- as we go further into this. We, ha- we have to be determined, amen, and not get so side, uh, get, get so, uh, and, and, and not sidestep the, the, the challenge that we have in this day and time because it's easy getting caught up in the things of life, going to work every day, amen, the, the cares of life that we face, the sicknesses and, and all these different things that we face. It's hard sometimes. We get in those things and they consume us. But listen, God is still with us and God can walk before us. And God can move in great ways uh, even when we may not see it. Uh, because you see, God was there in that valley. The children of Israel didn't notice it. The Philistines definitely didn't notice it. But David understood. He understood. Who is this heathen? That would defy the armies of God and defy God. And something was in him that got stirred. And he said, this can't stand. This can't be. Amen. How many's ever got that spirit inside of you where you went to prayer and you said, this can't stand. This can't be. This has to come down. God is still God. Amen. We don't have to be subjected to this. You know, Jesus said that two greatest commandments were to love the Lord thy God and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I think if we kind of worked on that, that would help us a long way, wouldn't it? Right? Amen. So after hearing the reward, and, and I could go, go on and on about the story, but, but, but something, David said, I want to talk to Saul. And I'll go fight this. Remember, we talked about this some time ago. Repeat this. Repeat, tell me again, tell me again, tell me again. And then they, his brothers got kind of uh, irritated at him, and Eliab rebuked him. And why are you here? This is a battle. You're just a boy. You're supposed to be back taking care of the sheep. You know, there's nothing like a young man like a Joseph or a David, a man that, that, that makes the, the older brothers feel threatened. When in reality, they weren't trying to be that way. It's just that they had a connection with God. Right? Come on, people will forsake you and people will put you at arm's length. Amen. Sometimes when they, they feel like that, that oh, they're, they're holier than thou or, or they're goody two-shoes or, or they've, they've kind of they've got their connection with God and, and, and you know, you know they're just, they're just kind of, they don't feel like that. No, 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 that's not what it's about. It's just that they're willing to put the time in to have that relationship with God. And if we start feeling bad about that, then maybe we need to stop, look in the mirror and say, you know what, I want my soul to get stirred up inside of me so I can have that kind of relationship with God. See, I keep looking at that scripture, and this is just a side note here, where it talks about wide is the way 
that leads to destruction and many there be that find it. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. I look at that and I'm saying, you know what? It's, it's easy to be lost. But if you're going to be saved, you've got to work at it. Hello? You've got to work at it. It's just not going to drop in your lap. It's going to take, it's going to take something. Amen. So David looks uh, to some of the others and, and he's talking and David humbly wanted the, the men to just spread the word. Get it to Saul. I, I will go. I will go. And I will fight this Philistine. All right. He was a great, great warrior. This guy, uh, Goliath, was. But, but let me go on down here. Pa- the passage reveals something about the Lord, the heart of David, that gives us rise to the reason God used him so powerfully. Because earlier, God allowed David to be called to the palace to serve Saul as a musician when Saul was tormented by the evil spirit after the spirit of God left him. So there, 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 that David was already, had already been in the king's palace. And this occurred after God anointed David. Folks, let me tell you tonight, when God anoints you for ministry... He will cause things to happen where you will get out there. You'll have at it. You know, I'll say it again. Every church that we have needs to be full to the brim and overflowing with people that are, that are coming rejoicing in the Lord. But it takes work. They've got to want it. We have, to, we have to present it to them, and they have to want it. And here David was again just there at the right time when Goliath went out. Amen. There was enough to hear. He didn't need to hear no more. We see his heart. Folks, when God, when the enemy needs to know who you are. He needs to know your heart. He needs to know that you're willing to stand in the gap for that family member or that friend or that coworker. Or that child, whoever it might be, that's going through a problem in their life. Because we knew he was a shepherd. We knew he was faithful at that. Jesse called Samuel. Samuel came to anoint the, the new king of Israel. And, and, and finally he gets to a place where he's got all the other boys done. And he said, is that all you got? Well, I got this, I got this boy out there, this shepherd boy out there taking care of my, my, my flock, David. Eliab had asked him what he had done with the sheep. David, you're you're sidestepping your job. Uh, He just didn't want David being there right there at the moment. You see, it's, it's here that David exposes his heart as a shepherd. A heart of a shepherd has concern and love. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I love you. Why is that? Because when you, when you look at what happened, David saw a bear take a lamb from the flock. He was so, so, so concerned over the lamb that he forgot about his own personal safety. Right? He loved God and loved the sheep that, that caused him to run out after, after that bear and pull the sheep out of his mouth. And when the bear turned on him, God's power came upon him and he tore that bear and he killed it. 
And the same thing happened with the lion. And when he looked at Goliath, amen, he looked at Goliath like the bear and like the lion. He said, you know what? God delivered them into my hand. So this, this heathen is no different. God will deliver him into my hand. See, when you go out into battle, you have to have the confidence. And that's something we all have to work on in our daily life. And David believed, he said, I will tear that giant apart like I did that lion and bear. And God is going to deliver him from, 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 uh, uh, from the hand of this giant like he did from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion. You see, the two burdens and loves in his heart was manifested again that day. As much as he loved the sheep, he loved the people of God. That's why I say here tonight, there shouldn't be odds between the people of God. No. Why? Because there's going to be some battles that each of us are going to fight. And we're going to need to lean on the shoulders of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're going to need their help in some of these battles. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's the truth. And so, if you want God to use you, you have to obey. You have to obey the, His two greatest commandments. You've got to love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Because God is going to get you out there in the open. Amen. And God's going to use you in miraculous ways with other people if you, if you love God with all of your heart and you love people. Something else, something else those two things will do for you. Notice that when Eliab falsely accused David of irresponsibly uh, leaving the sheep, when Jesse summoned David to go, to, to, to go uh, and, and leave the sheep with another and deliver some goods to, the, to, to his brothers in the war, David did not backtalk. He didn't bow up and just say, well, Dad sent me. Deal with it. Right? When he said, you're ignoring your responsibility, where's the sheep at? Where did you leave them? He could have just shot back like most brothers do in families. Right? He simply said, what, what have I done? He said, what, what have I done? Is there, is there not a cause? In other words, he simply politely responded to his brother, and then he walked away. We're quiet. You see, when you love God and you really love people, you're not so much in love with yourself that every little thing that comes against you will drive you to react wildly and forget all about everything else. Come on now, you tell me right now, boy. You know, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings, so I'm going to give you a knot on your head. You hurt my feelings. Because you know what happens when we get hurt, we react. Right? Boy, that was quiet. Now, now come on, folks. I've been pastoring long enough, been in the ministry long enough. I know people's reaction when they get frustrated and angry and mad. Right? It usually never does any good when one person gets hyped up 
and the other person gets hyped up. Usually if one of them is strong enough to just say, you know, I'm sorry, and walk away. Have you ever seen those kind of situations in marriages, though? Where two husband and wife are arguing, and one will try to walk away, and the other one gets madder? (laughs) Right? Don't you walk away from me. I'm not done yet. If someone's not paying attention to you very well as you begin to chat with them, just comment something about that person to him or her and watch their attention change. What are you talking about? Well, just do something like this. If I'm talking to Brother Paul back there and we're having a conversation and Brother Paul's not really listening to me and all of a sudden I stop him and just say, Hey, ignorant. I guarantee he's going, what in the world did you just say to me? Right? You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we have to realize that our response matters. People can be very self-focused. My wife tells me a lot. She asks me a lot lately. Because, and I don't have them in tonight. My hearing aids. So a lot of times when I have a lot of noise and people may be talking to me back here, I can't hear them the way I should. And my wife will say, hey, so-and-so was talking to you. And I'm like, I didn't hear him. Put your hearing aids in. I remember Sister Brenda telling me when she got hers that she was walking down through Costco or Sam's or something and her daughter was behind her I believe that's the way it went. And she could hear her talking. Well, there's sometimes I just want to shut them off. Because I'm hearing everything. (laughs) So listen to me. People can be very self-focused. But a love for God and for others removes that emphasis out of your heart. Remember that, that people matter. People matter. David, no matter what the children of Israel were doing, he was upset because because he thought, wait a minute, this battle should have been over with by now because, because God is with us. But when fear, when you're not doing what you should be and fear gets in your heart, Saul, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was this good looking dude. And I believe sometimes Samuel, when he came to David's house, was looking for somebody like Saul. But yet... God said, no, I've got somebody after my own heart out there in the field. 1 Samuel 17, 38, and Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head and he armed him with a coat of mail. You know, David just told Saul that God used him against a bear and a lion and now he gives David some armor and it was, not, it, was, it was not Saul's own personal armor that he wore, but rather armor Saul had in provision with him for his soldiers. David accepts the armor, but, but all of a sudden he realizes, you know, he essays it to wear it. And say just means to test and experiment with it, trying to get used to it and so on and so forth. But David could not get used to it. Why? Because he had not proved that. He hadn't been in that kind of fighting. And so he took it off very politely and he explained why to Saul. What was David used to? David David was used to shepherding and using a staff 
using a shepherd's bag for provisions for his sheep. He was used to God being with him and God protecting him. So in verse 40, he said, he took his staff, he put it in his hand, he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, he put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even, even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. In other words, he took his staff because he felt like he was going after the giant as he did the lion and the bear for his sheep. His love for God's people was like his love for the sheep. And so he went with the shepherd's staff. And he took the shepherd's bag that was used to carrying the needs of the sheep because he was going to carry some needs for Israel as they were, as if they were his sheep. Amen. So he went to the brook. He chose five smooth stones. Remember the old song we used to sing? And thought to use them against Goliath with his sling. But see, the, the stones, this is an important thing. The stones speak a very special message. Because the margin, when you read in the Bible, it tells us that taking stones from the brook can also be rendered as taking stones from the valley. It was a brook in the valley. Why were they smooth stones? Because of the rushing water. And so when we compare some armor that David was not accustomed to, to some smooth stones from a brook, all of a sudden we see the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, the truth. How many knows the Bible says the truth will set you free? So here we see the rushing water of the brook. That little river speaks, if I might say, of the moving of the Holy Ghost. If you really want victory in the valley, the Spirit of God has to be moving in your life. Right? Everybody say amen. Turn your neighbor and say, the spirit has to be moving. <clears throat> and for the stones to be smooth, they had to be, have been in that brook for some time as the water was washing over them. And the water then began to erode the edges off of the stone to make them smooth. How many realizes we need the spirit of God moving in our life to, to wear down the rough edges in our life? And it made those stones perfect to fit in, in the sling that he had and made it to where it could perfectly fly out of that sling. And right in the valley where they faced the enemy is David finding exactly what he needed to defeat the giant. Of all places, in the valley. Everybody say the valley. In the, not on the mountaintop. Not back with the children of Israel. Not back where Saul was. Not where Jonathan was. No, in the valley. As he went to meet the giant, that's where he found the five smooth stones. He didn't have them until he walked in the valley. And may not have been accustomed to the armor, but he took those stones that were accustomed to the moving of the water. Let me tell you here something. Hey man, God wants to take stuff in your life and his spirit as he moves across your life. He's making you into something that can be used in this end time. Hear me now. He's, 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 he's just knocking the edges off. You let the Spirit of God just kind of work in your life and move in your life. All of a sudden, He's going to bring you to that place 
where he's going to be able to use you. So the picture's clear. Jesus said that the Holy Ghost is like rivers of living water. It's clear. David received exactly what he required from the moving of the Spirit. I could go on and on, but I'm going to quit because I've got too much left. But hear me, when, when, when we understand the story of David, look at it differently. Understand, David came, he had an encounter with God, he killed a bear and he killed a lion. He was facing Goliath because he knew God was with him. Amen. But he did not have what it took when he was there back there with Israel. He had to come down in the valley where he found the five smooth stones that was going to be used against Goliath. Listen, the, the Spirit of God that's running, the waters of, you've got to have the Spirit of God moving in your life. Amen. Sometimes I feel like we get to that place to where, you know, we're, we're like a, a, a dam is up and, and, and the water's not moving in our life. And all of a sudden, we, we, we find ourselves without the moving of the Spirit of God. But yet, David said, you know what? This, this enemy is, he's just an uncircumcised Philistine. But you have to realize that the Spirit of God moves in the valleys as well as on the mountaintops. So no matter what you're facing in this day and time, realize in this valley, I can, I can, the Spirit of God is still moving. He's able to give me what I need to win this battle. He's, he's able to give me what I need in this valley to win this, this, this circum, over, get, get, uh, some, uh, give, get, get, give me help over this circumstance or this problem or this trouble or this sickness, whatever. It's in the valley. And God's willing to do that. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Spirit of God moves in the valley as well as the mountaintop. The Spirit of God moves in my life whether I'm on the mountaintop or the valley. But I'm going to tell you something right now. On the mountaintop, it's kind of easy, right? Everything's going great. Everything is peaches and cream. Everything's going all right. Everything's just hunky-dory. It's when you get to that valley that all of a sudden you feel like you're all alone. But you know what? You're not. Man may leave you. People may seem distant. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's walking with us in the midst of that valley. And he's willing to help us out. Do you believe that tonight? Hey Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Let me challenge you. Let God, let the Spirit of God roll over and rush over and through your life to mold you and make you into what he can use in this day and time that we live. Not my will, but his will. Not my way, but his way. Don't let the enemy call you out and challenge you to that place to where you lose sight of what this is all about. In Jesus' name. Let's raise our hands and just accept the word of the Lord and ask God to bless us tonight. Lord God, we thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet. We are nothing without you. We stand before you tonight knowing that we have those moments and those times in our life where we walk, we're walking through that valley and the enemy is there just waiting. The enemy is calling us out. Fear grips our heart. We become unsettled with the things of life. But Lord, Amen. You are the one that's saying, look, hold your head up high. Amen. Accept the challenge. I'm going to be with you. 
Amen. I, I am the one that will be with you. I will stick by you, amen, more than a brother, more than a friend, but I will be there with you, amen, all the way. Trust in me. Have faith in me. Amen. Take up the staff. Take up the sling. Take up the smooth stones. Walk in that valley. That's where I'll give you what you need to overcome. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, speak to our hearts. Let us be challenged in this end time. Amen. So that we will walk through this valley as you prepare the way before us. Amen. And you will stand with us. As the enemy comes against us, you will raise a standard up against him. Lord God, I pray tonight that each and every one of us as we leave this place, amen, that your spirit be with us, lead us and guide us. Amen. Let our minds be on you. Let our hearts be full of your spirit. Strengthen us tonight, I pray. And everybody say in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' name, we pray and we believe it. In Jesus' name. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Walk in God. Stay strong in God. Amen. Stay connected to God. And see what God will do for your life. Amen. The Spirit of God still moves in the valleys as well as the mountaintop.